to motorcycles and diners, apparently, based on that sound coming oh, from no, no. <laughs> Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> <laughs> Here at the Recycle Garage in uh, sunny Santa Cruz, California. It was a good weekend. Hey, everyone. My name is Liza, and I'm a bikeaholic. <laughs> Hi, Liza. Hi, Liza. Thank you. Yes. Um, no judgment. I bought another KLR this oh. weekend. Who sold it to you? Oh, right. Which an enabler. Maybe a sign <laughs> sign of a problem. Uh, well, we'll get to that because I'm sure everyone here in the room tonight has equal problems to my, to mine. I think we're all bikeaholics. I wouldn't so, necessarily call it a problem. <laughs> it's well, a solution, darling. We'll it's get to that. So, uh, eating a uh, a nice big fat meatball. It's Miss Emma. My name's Emma, and that's a spicy meatball. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that's a good name. Hello, darlings. Hey. Here I am in sunny Marina, California, USA. And uh, life is good. It's not too bad. Sold a KLR this week. Yes. <laughs> you are an enabler. That is true. And let's I see. do my best, sweetie. And and joining us from his uh, garage packed with scooters. Who else could it be? It's Bagel. Greetings from Rancho Bagel. <laughs> Ooh, is that what you're going with? Mm. I'm thinking about it, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I kind of like that. And let's see. Um, is that... Is that uh, the kitchen with purple walls? It's Douglas. Hey, they are. Yeah. Uh, and I think I got too much sun today on the neck. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was nice. It's first, first time in a long time. So it feels good. It was nice. It yeah. was very nice. And, and, you know, one of the other things that made it nice at the garage is all the visitors we had today. Like Gabe. Hey, Gabe. Shalom. It was Shalom nice having all. you down there. I appreciate you oh, joining yeah. us. I had such a good time hanging out at at the at the at the workshop at the garage. Yeah, it was a good time. And then, of course, we've got our favorite stunt misfit. It's John. Hey, everybody! What's up? And everybody needs another KLR in their life. <laughs> uh, John, I have a bit of a problem. I thought you can help me with. Yes. Um, I've been told uh, by some people that I shouldn't be calling you Stumpy, John. That that could be demeaning, and I, and I suggested, what if what if what if I call him Big John? Well, then you're making fun of his weight. And I said about Little John. They said, well, then you're making fun that he's short. So I'm like, ah, I'm not winning here. But what do you think? I what do you think about Meatball? Meatball. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but normal John. We have too many Johns. Just, just regular as John. Yeah, regular John. Nothing wrong oh, with him. No. <laughs> oh, know, not meatball for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was throwing it out there. You know, beneath that benign bearded exterior, there's a rebel trying to get out. My <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Tiger 800. <laughs> See, it's exciting. Do you like Johnny Tiger 800? <laughs> That's it. Sounds like uh, what uh, a Joe, Joe Tiger, Joe Tiger's fat cousin. <laughs> 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 well, no, I, putting the 
800 at the end, you see. It's a bit like Andre 3000, but you're Johnny Tiger 800. Maybe we'll go with Tiger John. But Tiger John? Uh, yeah, I guess that's better than Bear John. <laughs> <laughs> see, okay, I'd like to point out the problem here is you keep giving me these golden nuggets of nicknames that I love. I'm like, oh, let's go with Bear John. Now then I'm going to be getting messages about that. <laughs> you know, I don't care what anybody calls me. Are I you really don't? Yeah, I think right. you have to be over six foot to be a bear. Mm, I don't <laughs> think so. That's a good question for this podcast and probably a couple others. <laughs> oh, am I the right? This bear talk. <laughs> I'm on the wrong All podcast. Right. We're gonna go with let's let's try out. Tiger John for a while, right? Uh, oh, okay, whatever. What do you mean? Oh my heck! I thought that sounded good and fierce, fierce. All right. So, um, yeah. So I bought it. Bought a KLR. Thank you, Emma. It was, it was a good deal. I couldn't pass it up. And um, well, of you course, know, it was a good deal. It was another winner from Moto Town. A yeah. snip, in fact. And you know what's better than one KLR? Two. Two. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I've I've already thrown it up on uh, Twisted Road. It's it's a rental. Twisted Road and Rider Share. I'm going to be adding it. So I've got both of my KLRs. So just throwing that out there. If there's anyone coming out to the West Coast and you'd like to ride the Pacific Coast Highway or the mountains or maybe do a little bit of uh, some dirt roads, which you're not technically supposed to do, but it's a KLR. I may want to look at uh, renting it. So, and you could probably find one of us to be an escort. Right? There you go. So, um, I just want to point out that this KLR does come equipped with crash bars, mm-hmm. highway pegs, pelican boxes, and a carrier on the back, <laughs> so you can bring all your things with you. The only thing is, for the next week or so, if you want to rent it. <laughs> And you have a passenger, probably a passenger with one leg. Would be yes. <laughs> One-legged we, passenger. We, I, I seem to have sold you a bike that's missing a passenger footrest. So we're, we're rectifying that as we speak. Um, yes. But just for the next week or so until it arrives from um, Banger, Maine. <laughs> cool. And, of course, to to you know anoint it as was one of the the pack here at the garage i took our neighbor um evan a nice kid who hangs out with us on sundays kind of a new rider he's only ridden a handful of bikes in his life and um i put him on it and took him out for a nice ride up in the santa cruz mountains which included a uh stop john remember that super secret dirt location i took you to i do yeah yeah so i took him up there um and, uh, you know, gave him a few instructions on dirt riding, which just brand new to him. Here's the thing I find amusing about young men. Um, new to riding, new to riding in dirt, riding someone else's bike, you know, it's a loner. Yet, as soon as he saw a mud pile, he went for it. <laughs> right in, like you right into the mud. <laughs> uh, which case, um, it was funny that. I was riding, then, you know, suddenly he's not there anymore. I'm like, oh, I better go back and find him. And what I found was uh, this. It was my bike bolt upright with the rear wheel in a trench and the front wheel in the air, and it was just just stuck on its Perfect. skid plate. Good thing it had a skid plate. Mm. Um, and he had a blast. 
It was a lot of fun. John, I was going to ask, how yeah? did he get on with it? Because, I mean, KLR 650s, it's not a small bike. Right. And it's quite tall, and it carries its weight kind of tall. <laughs> so for a completely novice rider, um, did he get on well with it? Yeah, he only dropped it four times. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, interesting, <laughs> interestingly enough... The guy I bought it from, and I know this is going to be controversial, but it is the gentleman's opinion. But the guy I bought it from, um, more than you paid, so I made a terrible loss, but that's what friends are for. Um, he had a GS1200, and he maintained for tough going, the KLR was a far superior machine. I him. for him maybe. Well, you know what? And it was a perfect bike for the for that trip. And I said, you know, he fell over a bunch of times. There's no harm to it. Already was came a little bit pretty scratched from its, you know, earlier trips. He had a blast, and that's what it's great right. about. But the other thing I knew of uh, on a KLR, which is not really gutsy, he wasn't going to get into trouble. It's a it's a mule, and you just get in there that low, and you're just going like. But it sounds like a tractor. He asked me if it was a diesel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <come on. laughs> I know. Um, so yeah, had a lot of fun, and uh, so now I have another KLR. Yeah, uh, cool KLRs. <laughs> that's why we call you Liza Two KLRs Miller. That's right. <laughs> Aren't that's there two kids starting now? That's where that came from. I never two killer, that. yes. Well, now you do, John. Um, um, and in, incidentally, while I'm looking at you, John, thank you so much for uh, coming down and visiting and helping me. Uh, it was Early such a pleasure. Well, I was yeah, just, we, we had a nice visit. I was just about yeah. to say, let's get the Moto Town update. We need. We should get intro music for the Moto Town update. Do do do. No, my very, very dear friend, Mike Beck who is a musician of some repute, um, has actually written me a theme song, which is, he's written me two. And there's going to be two versions. There's going to be the kind of Batman-y theme. And then there's one which is a very kind of English. It's got a backbeat on it. Sounds like it was recorded by the Beatles. Um, but nice. the Bohemian Saints, which is his band, will be playing at a grand opening, which will, which will happen when this covid things all over i think if you more of like the Bo brummels type of music oh yeah we could do that yeah the Bo brummels anyway so um moto town so um i'm in that had happened last week however i've completely painted everything every single wall and joist in that building and everything is now an extremely appealing shade of battleship gray um, nice. And very smart it looks, too. It's very industrial space. Isn't it, John? It's an amazing space. It's perfect. I got, um, to, I got to see it, too. Right. So um, it's all battleship gray. And I thought it was going to be quite oppressive when I first laid it on, but it's not because the area itself is so bright. And as everybody who knows me, I tend to build very colorful bikes, so they'll pop quite nicely. And... Um, a lot of the heavy equipment is in. So that means my tire machine is in, my press is in, my drill press is in, my sandblaster is in. Um, Counters. My, my counter, my showcase, 
my actual workbench is in i've got a very very old school workbench which is made of like mahogany and it's got this top and it weighs about a million pounds you know the gravitational pull of the earth is affected whenever i move it so all the heavy stuff's in um <clears throat> i mean inevitably we talk about an opening date and I'm about 90% through the licensing process now. You don't you simply don't just open a bike shop. There are licenses. And when you actually own a bike shop, there are people in uniforms who come down and say, "Do you have your papers?" And so um we need a hazmat license so we can deal with hazardous material which I've got. We need a resale license so I can buy wholesale and then sell at a tiny profit to other people i've got that i've got a tire resale license i've got a battery resale license i have got my fictitious name change i have got um my bureau of automotive repair license so um i'm deep in license land the only one i'm waiting for is the license from the city of marina um and that is largely arbitrary they've got no reason at all not to give it to me largely because i'm going to be paying them a great deal of money over the next few years um because they take a percentage of my profit and it goes straight back into the city of marina so that's basically where i'm at i'm shooting for a grand opening of may the 1st it's not going to be quite so grand because we're all going to be social distancing but that's the official opening as far as the party um i expect a party in august september time when everyone's had their shots and we can actually enjoy the band and enjoy drinkies and burgers and hot dogs and just have a really really good time that's probably going to happen in august and it's going to be a big party so there you go. There's the update. Um John helped me with some amazingly heavy stuff this week. He's got this brilliant trailer and we tested the carrying capacity to the maximum. Um my tire mm. machine is far heavier than I could possibly imagine. Um yeah, that, thing, it, that thing was a beast. It nearly killed you. Um <laughs> and then it, it didn't have enough with that, so it nearly it nearly killed Jim mm -hmm. and um it nearly finished off one of my fingers, but it's where it should be right now. And fully operational, I might add. Oh, that's awesome. So, um, yeah, so there you go. I'm very, very happy. And there's another update I think we're sharing now about yeah. an upcoming event. Share away, Liza. I know you are sharing this. Okay, so um, the beginning of the season for showing you know for bike shows was always considered and is always considered the one show in portland now of course last february when the one show normally is on we were in a very very different position um in regard to the pandemic than we are now so initially i thought the one show was going to be cancelled However, they just moved it back and they've moved it back to April the 30th or the weekend of. Mm -hmm. um, I submitted my pink turbo Goldwing for um, review and they've accepted it. So myself, McCarthy, Bagel 
and potentially John Dalton. So a good con contingent of misfits and a turbocharged 1975 pearl pink Honda Goldwing with Hello Kitty graphics will be heading to the one show. That's exciting. So, um, Emma, I have some news. Fire away. Um, I believe there's going to be some more misfits there. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Who's going? Jim and I are talking about it. <clears throat> Fantastic. Just flying in for the weekend. Fly in, fly out. Um, but if everything's looking good, the weather's looking good, uh, I think we're in because it's an outdoor event. And we've been there when it's been snowing, when it's been raining. <clears throat> oh, God. You never know what the weather's going to be like there. So it's a big risk, them doing this event. But <clears throat> both Jim and I um, have had our shots, so we feel that it's safe. And I appreciate that they've made it an outdoor event. So, yeah, I, I think we're looking at going. Gabe, have you ever been to the one show in Portland? You're muted. No, I haven't, but I'd uh, I want to go. I want to enter. I want to enter when this bike is running. Uh -huh. I will enter it, and if they accept it, I will ride that critter up there and wow. uh, show it off. What do you think? Is that a, is that a two stroke? It's uh, it's a DR six fifty. Oh, okay. Couldn't quite see. Well, we yeah, are. So, no, your head's in the way of the <laughs> cylinder head, Gabe. So Bagel oh. was quite right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Oh, okay. So yeah. Actually, we were going nice. to get to that. Um, congratulations on getting the uh, the Goldwing in there. The Goldwing is a it's a crazy bike because you've done a lot of mods to that, including putting a turbo on it, which is what? well. The, the turbo is kind of the least of what's been done to that bike, and it kind of developed as. <clears throat> It's developed on its own. Um, the turbo started off as um, Emma Bravado on a show, I think, three or four years ago, not long after I got it. Um, it, it came to me like most Goldwings came to come to people with a giant fairing on the front. There wasn't a windjammer, but it was a cheap knockoff of a windjammer. It had a top case. It had side bags. It, had, it actually had a light bar on the back crash bars front and rear i mean the thing was a buick with a couple of wheels missing and my original intent was to take all the extraneous crap off just turn it back into a completely naked 1976 honda goldwing which is a very handsome bike mm -hmm. and just ride it around um and i can't remember we were talking about turbos or something and i thought you know what i'm gonna chuck a turbo on that and then it and then i built the turbo first and built the plenum chamber and um, cammed it and cylinder headed it for the turbo and then looked at it and realized that 1970s brakes and forks weren't going to cut it. <laughs> right. So then we did the forks, we did the brakes um, and then the wheels looked a bit feeble. So then I went to 17s and put the radials on it. And so it's kind of been an ongoing development and it's, it's been a three year build thus far. Um, it's running okay right now. I need to increase the fuel pressure a little bit. It falls on itself at the top revs, but it's truly terrifying to ride. It is absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Um, so, um, it's very important to me. If somebody comes up to me at the one show and says that doesn't run, I'm going to start it up and show them that it does actually run and runs quite well. Um, 
because it's got to run. It's a motorbike. Um, and I can assure you I've ridden it around the block many times and terrified the residents of Marina <laughs> with it. Um, and it's it's an ongoing thing. I don't think it'll ever be finished. But um, Well, and it's uh, putting a turbo on a bike like that, you can't just go buy a kit. So where where'd you get a turbo from? The the turbo actually came um well it was very fortuitous because we were talking about um turbos and I I said right I'm going to put a turbo on a goldwing now of course nobody does a kit mm -hmm. um the closest is um Mr Turbo which used the old um ATP kits back in the 70s they're still in business and they're in I want to say in Torrance, but they do a universal kit. And a universal kit is you get the turbo and you get a bunch of bent tubes, and there you go. And it's still quite a lot of money. So I thought, you know, I can do better. Well, meanwhile, I've got a lot of friends who drive fast cars, and I have a friend who had a Subaru WRX, and he rolled it and destroyed it. Um, a couple of weeks after we, I made a rash promise, and I thought, that has got a TD-05H on it, which is a nice, good-sized turbo. You know, the turbo's like about the size of a big bag of sugar, which is a good-sized turbo. And I thought, I asked him, I said, can I have the turbo off it? And he said, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, the car's going to a crusher. So I pulled the turbo off that. And it's a nice little turbo because it's oil-cooled and water-cooled. And, of course, it's ideal for the Goldwing because... Turbos run very, very hot. The Goldwing's got a very lazy cooling system on it, but it's got a very high-pressure oil gallery system on it. So I'm just pumping 60 PSI oil pressure through it, 5 PSI of water pressure through it. Turbo is as happy as Larry. You can't exactly touch it with your hand, but it's not cooking my vagina. <laughs> which is basically it sits right under the seat at the front. Oh, so wow. it's it's pretty ideal, really. Um, I'm very, very happy with it. Um, but I took all the right precautions. I put really soft cams in it. The head gaskets are giant. They're about the thickness of a, a quarter. I had some. Um, I had a friend with a uh, water jet, and he water jetted me some two mil copper head gaskets because you've got to get the compression down. You can't just bolt a turbo on a high-compression bike with, with choppy cams. It'll just run like a three-legged horse. You actually have to get the compression down for it to work properly, if you're running any kind of boost, that is. So let me ask you this. Why put a turbo on it? Well, um, that's a very, very good question. I think I, I'm sorry. I just, I just have, to, uh, I have to interrupt. I, I apologize, Liza. I, I just objected to just the all the basic underlying assumptions of that of that no, question. I was about to My say God. the answer is because. <laughs> well, God. yeah, no, no. the answer is because. Well, <laughs> That's yeah, why. Well, I put a terrible like. Come on. No, I was just trying to set her up for that. I knew she'd struggle to find an actual answer. The out is because. <laughs> That's yeah. why we do so you know, many things to our bikes, well, because. We can file it in the same categories. Why is a 60-year-old woman dicking around on fast motorbikes? Um, it doesn't really make a great deal of sense. 
But I do pride myself as a builder. I pride myself on working to a very, very high standard. And it was a that bike was only ever going to be a showcase for what mm. I can do. Yeah, you exactly. know, if you want to, if you want to leave your bike with me for service, I will take care of it because I can build that. Well, and I think that there's a bit of like first first man to walk on the moon kind of thing. You know, the first one to like put that combination together. It's kind of cool. But hey. now, Gabe, you are looking at possibly. Uh, turboing one of your bikes let's talk let's talk about that well i look let's just start out by saying it's probably never going to happen but there's a company in australia Uh these guys in australia and if you want i can look up the name of the company but uh they offer what they claim is a turnkey turbo kit that you can bolt on in an afternoon and i've seen videos of guys riding like youtube videos you know helmet cam videos of them riding they're uh, MT-07s, which, mm-hmm. as you know, stock is a 68-horsepower motorcycle. This company showed has posts a dyno chart on their website, 116 real-wheel <laughs> horsepower from this $3,600 Australian, $2,800 US turbo kit, bolted on in an afternoon, and then you're just like wheeling in every gear past the cars, and I want that. Why wouldn't I want that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. $100? Double your horsepower? Come on. Okay, here we go. I've got it. It's from Extreme Creations Australia. Good work. Um, let's have a look and see what the kit comes with. So, it comes with... No um, muffler. I'm looking at it now. There is no muffler on that, but you've got a head pipe, which feeds into the turbo. You've got the Dump off the turbo. You get cams. Electric fuel pump. Mm-hmm. Um, new. What is is that a plenum? Yep. Hang on. Plenum. Plenum sounds so uh, organic, doesn't that? Like yeah. That? Problem with my plenum. <laughs> well, so, so the way <laughs> plenum chambers work is oh here we go forced induction plenum so let's have a look and see what they do so these guys are actually doing yeah they're doing turbos for quite a few bikes so they're doing um plenums for cbr cb thousand r's um gsx 1400s which is basically the naked hayabusa um they're doing the complete kit what else do they do turbo kits for these are interesting guys yeah, they do one for the MT-09 as well, and mm-hmm. the MT-010. Price goes up exponentially. And the oh, yeah. Nikon, they do a turbo for a Nikon. Ooh, really? Yeah, they do a turbo for a Nikon. <laughs> so the MT-07 is 3890 which I guess is in Australian yeah, dollars. Australian dollars, so it's 2800 bucks US. I don't know if that includes shipping. And the most expensive kit is for the MT-10, which makes sense because it's a four-cylinder bike, um, which is 6750 US. Well, the, the MT-10 is uh, as fast as, as, as fuck. Like, why yeah. do you need... <laughs> because well, we go faster than fuck. So, I mean, let's let's go back to basics. If, if um, I, I, Gabe, I don't want to feel like I'm walking on you, but 
Be... I would actually, I would pay for that, but go on. <laughs> okay, good on. Do you want me to put my stilettos on when I do it? Ooh, do I pay extra for stilettos? <laughs> yeah, I bet you would. <laughs> actually, let's, actually, let's start with flats, okay? And we'll work our way. We'll, we'll work our way up to the four inches. Um, yeah. So let's talk so about what Crocs. Do you have a pair of Crocs that might be? You know, oh, God. Hiya, chicken. There's two things that are not allowed in my house, and that is Crocs and Berkies. Anybody who comes into my house wearing Crocs or Birkenstocks will get their footwear burnt, darling. Burnt. <laughs> um, so what turbos do and superchargers? Turbochargers and superchargers basically do the same thing, but they do it in a different way. If we regard an engine, an internal combustion engine, as a pump, it sucks in air fuel mixture at one end, it compresses it, it sets fire to it, it ignites it, it produces power, and then it spits it out at the other end. That's the basic suck, squeeze, bang, blow. We all know this. What a turbocharger or a supercharger does is it takes vacuum. Now, we can test our theory. If you were to rev up a bike with the airbox off and just hold your hand gently over the end of the carburetor. We can feel that the engine's sucking in mm. air fuel. We can yeah. feel it. We can feel the suction. What a turbocharger does is it pushes the air in. It takes vacuum and it produces pressure. Now, the drag race guys are running massive pressures that are running 20, 25, 30 PSI. On the street, we don't need that. 5 PSI, 10 PSI is plenty. And it basically pushes the air-fuel mixture in. Now, a turbocharger is driven by exhaust gases via an impeller. It's a little turbine. And that's why you get this very pronounced turbo noise. And that's what I wanted the feature of the Goldwing to be. I wanted a big turbo. I wanted it open. I wanted you to hear that thing spool up. And it makes lots of turbo noise. That's why I like it. A supercharger does exactly the same thing. It pushes the air-fuel mixture in, but unlike a turbocharger that's driven by exhaust gases, it's driven by a belt to the crankshaft. Mm -hmm. The difference, superchargers are silent. And you go, wait a minute, hang on. I've heard a supercharger, and that thing whined like crazy. You're not hearing the supercharger you're hearing the tr the tooth belt that drives it. The supercharger is driven by a tooth belt. And as the belt goes over the pulley and the teeth engage, it squeezes the air out because it's such a tight fit. And that's the whine you hear off a supercharger. Some have straight cut gears because you have contra-rotating impellers in them. You can get a bit of noise off those. But the majority of the noise you hear is from the tooth belt. So there you go. Forced induction. That's the proper term for it. Forgive me, Gabe. The floor is yours, darling. <laughs> oh, well, no, you, you did a good job. But, you know, I think the knob, because look, if you go on eBay and type in motorcycle turbo kit, all this stuff crops up for like 250 bucks. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure that doesn't give you everything you need. Because I don't think because there's a lot of uh, ancillary stuff that goes onto a turbo, um, including like waste gates. Like we were talking a little bit about it today, me and Emma. 
and uh, you got the wastegates and you got the blow off valve. And honestly, like, I, I don't know what all that intercooler, intercooler, like intercooler. You can run an intercooler. Yep. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, everything sounds like all this stuff sounds giddish, by the way. An intercooler. <laughs> like, oh, I've got such a plenum. You've got oh. to have a short connection from your intercooler to your plenum. Oi, <laughs> oh, right. My gastroenterologist <laughs> told me. And you can send those emails directly to Bill at clevelandmoto.com. He insulted me and my shoes <laughs> fell off. Remember Sal Rosenberg? Okay, Sal Rosenberg. <laughs> oh, oh, I lost my glasses. My glasses. Oh, <laughs> no, but Gabe, hearing you talk about that today, it made me think yeah. about, you know, expensive modifications to mm -hmm. bikes that don't really increase the value, but they're fun anyway. I wanted to hear from, you know, the rest of the misfits, like what, you know, what mods they've seen or, or done or want that, are expensive, but don't really add value. But on the flip side, I also want to talk about affordable modifications that actually increase value. So hmm. this turbo, putting the turbo on the bike, I think that for me, it's it's a lot of money. It's not really going to increase the value so much as make it a curiosity thing. But to me, it also sounds like it's such a big enough jump in horsepower that it becomes stupid and that I can back. I like that. If it was like, ah, oh, it just gives me like 15 more horsepower, you know, I'm like, mm, maybe not. If it's in the like stupid amount of horsepower, I'm like, yeah, well, of course. Of course. <laughs> right? And I tell you what, from what I can see of these guys, this is a legit company. This is right? not bungee cord engineering. Oh, this yeah. is nicely engineered stuff. I have huge respect for Australian and New Zealand engineers i mean the antipodes have produced some of the best engineers of the 20th and 21st century how about australian beer uh fosters get me a fosters uh, mate uh, <laughs> uh sorry guys oh <laughs> no there's and, um, again that's complaints at no i'm very sorry but there's only two beer makers in the whole of the world. Really? And if Germany keep practicing very, very hard, they'll be almost as good as English brew people. <laughs> oh, people like English beer, period. And that's it. That's all you need to know. Do you know? <laughs> and those are the only two. And, you know, Germany is close enough that if they keep practicing – and keep trying very, very hard. They might be nearly as good, but the rest of them, pa, fa, so, fa. Emma, I want to know, because <laughs> you have a long career, what are some modifications that maybe people have had you put on their bikes that you thought was kind of like a waste of money? Have you seen well, stuff I like mean, that? I mean, we had, me and Gabe had a very spirited conversation about this, and we're absolutely on the same page. If you're talking in terms of monetary value, every single accessory you bolt on your bike is a waste of money. Yeah. There is not a single accessory that you can bolt onto your bike that will add an equivalent amount of money. Not a single no. one. That's, that's the key word right there. The key word right there is equivalent. <clears throat> now, there right. are add-ons that you can add that will 
increase you the resale value, but you're never going to get your money back from accessories. She's got to get put desirability, yeah. Desirability, yeah. not monetary value. Now, as an example, if Gabe bolts turbo on his bike and has basically 112 horsepower FC07, that's going to make that bike the hot ticket. You're going to be like, 112 horsepower FC07. Are you going to recoup how much? Three grand, two grand, one grand? Probably not, but you're going to sell it very easily. Consistently, the best bikes to sell consistently are the bone stock ones that mm -hmm. are completely unaccessorized, including the paint. You know, you go on a Craigslist. And you'll see 1974 Honda CB750. Beautiful bike. And it is indeed a beautiful bike. It's still got four into fours. It's beautiful. And somebody's given this, this gorgeous metallic black paint job. <clears throat> they won't sell that bike. Nope. All they got to do is strip all that paint off that they probably spent a fortune on, paint it back in stock colors. Bam! It sells just like that because you've returned it to stock. Wait, can I, Liza? Can I? Can I maybe posit another point of view? Yeah, sure. I, I think, and I don't know if I'm right about this, and I'm probably not the right person to ask. But in over the last year and a half, I've been reading and talking to a lot of, uh, you know, customizers and kind of really checking out the custom motorcycle scene. And then it seems to me that. Um, that there are, there is a market for heavily customized classic bikes like old Hondas especially and and it does indeed boost the value. Do you, wh oh, do you on, a, on a used bike, yeah, you can make it better. <clears throat> I agree. Well, yes, and I agree with you, Gabe. But there's two. There's well, two. Like, like Emma's, like Emma's XS. Is it an XS eight hundred? Emma, your your triple? Not Emma. Uh, Liza, sorry, Liza. Your, oh, your my XS seven fifty. Yeah. Like, like, uh, like, if there was a bone stock XS seven hundred and fifty and your bike, like, I think I'd rather so buy yours. That's a good point. I mean, making a um, yeah, I wouldn't. I would go uh, with the stock one. A modified bike that is well done. I mean, but you know what? The my point on that is, I got that bike for free. It was a an abandoned bike. You right. know, I there was nothing I could well, do that would make it worth less. Yeah, so you did. So that was a good candidate, that. you know? But, but um, versus a stock one in the same year, yeah, it would be worth more. Well, you know, I'll tell you what it boils down to a lot of it, and it dovetails into exactly what, what Gabe is saying. When you look at, say, the cafe racer scene, a lot of the bikes are built to a formula. And if you tick the boxes, then the bike becomes appealing because basically you're building a bike that will appeal to other people. It's all about appealing to other people because if you bolt an accessory on your bike and you think it's the best thing since sliced bread, you may be the only one. So if you bolt stuff on that has a broader appeal, I think you came up with the best thing, Liza. I think the safest thing is luggage because nobody yeah. really has a massive opinion about luggage. I mean, nobody's, you know, going to go, ooh, it's a jivy bag as opposed to a Krauser. Right. Luggage is luggage. And 
<laughs> if you want to kind of recoup some of the money, if you sell a bike with luggage, that's something that everyone can use. Uh, uh, if, when you start heavily customizing a bike, it becomes so much of a your baby and your brainchild. It's not necessarily appealing to the masses. So, and this doesn't apply. I'm not applying these high-end custom bikes that are built by shops like Dime City Cycles. Yeah, Dime City Cycles, and um, um, I'm trying to think of another one. Um, Duex Machina. Yeah, they can build as many bikes as they want. They'll sell every one because that's a customizing shop. That's like buying a bike from Von Dutch or something. I'm talking about just regular used bikes that Joe Soap has built in his garage. And, you know, I spent a thousand bucks on accessories. So I want a thousand dollars more for the bike. Doesn't work like that. Yeah. And, and Gabe, let's just, let's just establish there are, uh, you know, name uh, customizers out there like Roland Sands or something and anything they touch, they do such a good job and they'll take a brand new bike and make it better. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about the average person who's going to start modifying, chopping, replacing parts. And yeah, when you talk about what will increase the value for me, luggage is a huge thing, even if it just has a top case, but especially if you get into side panniers, especially when you get into bikes like the GSs or the Africa twins, if it has panniers, aluminum panniers, it, it it's worth a lot more because without it, it's like, well, who would want that? <laughs> you know, there's so, there's certain things that you immediately put on the bikes. Um, but let's talk about some other. I look, I know we've all had fun and modified things and and wasted our money just because it was cool or fun. And the reality is, it doesn't increase the value, but it makes you feel good. Um, mm-hmm. I want to know what are some of the things that you guys have wasted your money on. What about you, Bagel? So um, there's there, there are certain things that people spend money on with scooters, which I think is also the case for motorcycles as well. Um, one is exhausts, <clears throat> and there's there's a whole range of exhausts yeah. that are available for scooters, especially the vintage two-stroke bikes, um, from just stock type exhausts to um, to all-out expansion expansion chambers, and of course you need to rejet with those, so you got to buy jets and other upgraded carbs to go along with it. Um, then there are also cylinder kits that people will get to, uh, have mm-hmm. a larger, larger bore, um, other cylinder heads mm-hmm. also to go along with that as well. Um, and for, um, yeah, there's, there's also, uh, gearing sets, uh, for, for scooters as well, which I guess doesn't apply to motorcycles quite so much, um, where you're changing out the gears in the gearbox, um, then, um, also for modern Vespas, there are a whole variety of uh, aftermarket uh, variators and clutches <clears throat> which are used in the CVT transmissions to try and get different performance out of your bike. Are these um, things you've done, Bagel? These are all things that I've okay. done. Okay. Pretty wow. much. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, uh, the the modern Vespas, I will have to say, uh, I, all the, of all the kits that I've tried for variators and stuff, I have gone back to stock on those. Right. Um, although I really did like the Melosi cylinder kit on my <laughs> 300, um, until I, uh, ate a valve. So that, that one I do hope to get going again soon. It's the white one behind me right there. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I've done that on my Ducati. I needed new levers and I bought very expensive CRG levers because um, I thought they looked cool, but I also like that they're kind of hinged, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say like the worst offender is when back when I rode a cruiser. And like you get uh-huh. the Kuryakin catalog, you know. Oh, and the, 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 the yes. Kuryakin catalog and the catalog and Cobra. license plate. Uh huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a wrench in the works. Are you sitting at a computer terminal, Liza? Uh, I have my phone. Okay. Um. I'm going to share an eBay selling listing, and I oh. um, I want us to discuss it because this is a customized bike, but it is extremely well done. I and think I can. Okay, send it to me. Okay, I'm not going to send it to. Him. I'm going to give you the listing number. Oh, hold on. Let me oh. see. I no, might it's be so able complicated. To do um. <clears throat> It's it's easy if I just give out the listing number, we can all look at it. Send it in the chat if you could. Yeah, just put it in chat. Or oh, here you go. Yeah, you drop or a link screen, in there. Screen share. Um, well, I'm working off two different computers here, so um, I'm just gonna put the number in the chat, and then you you can type it in. Um, here we go. And this is an example. And I'm really not sure what to make of this. It's very overpriced, <laughs> but it is beautifully done on, on eBay. How how is that possible? <laughs> they people still sell bikes there. <laughs> okay, so I just I just posted. Um, that's the number. If you what post that? that in the search bar, Ooh. and we're going to see a bike that really doesn't have a great deal of value that has had a massive amount of money spent on it. And I mean a massive amount of money. It's a pretty bike. It is a pretty bike. It's a beautiful bike. So what we've got here is we've got um, a 1993 Kawasaki Zephyr 1100. And it's about a $3,000 bike. That's about the going rate for Zephyrs. So what this guy's done is... He one replica. Yeah. Now that exhaust system is $2,000. I know those exhaust systems. They actually make them for the new Z900s as well. So it's got a replica Z1 exhaust on it, had to be imported from Japan. Hmm. It's got a very expensive paint job on it. It's got very expensive side panel badges on Mm -hmm. it. So what he's done here... All the money he has spent on the bike, he's just added to the value. Now, it's a very nostalgic bike, but it ain't worth $6,000. It is to him. Is it worth the same as a stock ZR1100? I mean, the Zephyr 1100 is a massively appealing bike. But sock, they're not massively appealing. So I think he's added some value to it, but not $3,000 over where it should be. Right. But this is a great example. It's beautifully done. It really is beautifully done. 
But where do we draw the line? To me, it's half done. It needs wire wheels. He's got to put wire wheels on it. That would complete the look of the bike. But, He's in Petaluma. I mean, what is it? It's closer to you than he is to me. Yeah, offer I'm going, grand. I'm, I'm buying it tomorrow. Yeah, uh, offer him four grand. Because there's no... And this is the telling thing. He's had this bike on now for six days, and there are no bids. Yeah. I don't think he's going to sell it. No, well, on eBay, fact. though, people do wait till the last minute to snipe. Yeah. You know, and don't put bids out there. But there are no bids right well that's the thing people people don't put bids on it because if they do then it gets bid up early and but if they wait to the last second and then throw it in there yeah i know i don't know i'll be interested to see what it does well how how long has it been up for six days six days okay well Uh, you know emma emma do you remember i don't remember the zephyr i remember the the smaller zephyr i don't remember the 1100 no, it was quite a rare bike. They did the 550, the 750, and the 1100. Um, don't remember it. Yeah, the 750 was the most common because it was the longest lived. It basically became the ZR7. It became, it mm-hmm. kind of trans, it became the baby Z-Rex. But there was the, there were three. There was the 550, the 750, and the 11. In England, the 550 and the 11 were very, very popular. But, you know, it was kind of a misstep by Kawasaki. They were all painted sort of metallic red, which didn't resonate with the old crowd. And they had, you know, four into two exhaust systems, you know, nothing of any note with the exhaust system. You know, it's kind of, they should have built it like this in the first place <laughs> with a retro paint job and a retro exhaust. But, you know, I've spent my lifetime working with Japanese manufacturers and they don't they don't look back nostalgically like we do. They're always looking forward. They don't want to talk about what's happened in the past. They want to talk about what's what's going on in the next 20 years. So building retro bikes for them, they were kind of forced into it by the American market. If it was up to um the the Japanese manufacturers themselves, you know, they'd always be building future bikes. So you understand the misstep. But this, I wanted to show everyone this because this is an example of a beautifully customized bike. And it's extremely well done. I mean, absolute all credit to the owner. But I simply don't think he's going to get that kind of money for it. I really don't. I hey, think he'll recoup some of his money. Hey, Emma. We should, uh, we should monitor this, this posting. I'm going to. And, and bring it up. I'll bring it up it next week. I'll, so, I'll, I'll have a look at the completed listing and see, see what it comes up as. So speaking of projects, Emma, do you think uh, he'll get his money for this project? Oh, my. <laughs> Nothing even, easily. We can't even tell well, let's. Around. Let's read the description, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Let's read the description because that's not everything it said. It it's um. Hang on. Let's let's get back to where it was because there are a description uh, that goes. So it says 2007 Kawasaki Ninja for four thousand and fifty dollars. Yes. 
Keep going. <clears throat> this is what? a complete motorcycle that I've modified a buggy frame to to be bolted up ready. It's street legal. Either way, it's stop. an absolute. I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you there. That's yeah. the sentence. Okay. To be bolted up. To be bolted to up. To be bolted up. It's not bolted together yet. You're getting two <laughs> separate vehicles. Makes it sound so easy. Just bolt that yeah, up. It's five minutes, right? <laughs> five minutes. A couple of five boys. minutes. How, how, the wrench. how hard can what it be? Got a wrench. Just it's, bolt it's so easy. Your cat could do it. If right. your cat had opposing thumbs, he'd finish it in five minutes. Actually, what could go wrong. The, wind, the windshield Whoa. is totally RTV'd in place. It's good to go. I just noticed RTV. something on the seat. There's like a cowboy hat on the seat. <laughs> Dang. Um, now, if they include that sweet Stetson, I'm in. Yeah. Wait, what is this? Uh, it, it's what yeah, model there's ninja? A, there's a hat. There's uh, a leather hat on the it's seat. It's a ninja trait. <laughs> yeah, 07 Kawasaki Ninja. That's been bolted up to a buggy, a two-wheeled, a front-wheel drive buggy. Or front-wheel, not front-wheel drive. Into a spider-style trake. I want to say yeah. this is not. Oh, how there's a picture of work. the. So you can so have it this, as a motorcycle or a buggy. This ah. rear wheel or tire is designed to be leaned in order to turn. Now. Yes. Yeah, there's so many things wrong with this. So many things wrong with this. But this whole post is just pissing me off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so this is on Facebook on Marketplace. And a motorcycle tire on the rear. Yes. And that bike needs to lean in order to turn. So. Why do this to an 1100? Why not put it to a no, It doesn't need to lean to turn because the front wheels are going to turn. Yeah, you got front wheels. It's, right. It's all quite groups. Give me a break. It's, it's just a, the motor and drivetrain, basically. It's just if it, I mean, I'm sure it'd be sin. great in a straight line. Exactly. It's <laughs> ugly. Sin. It should have been a drag ninja. This is a perfect example. You buy this buggy well, kit and you bolt right. a bike up. You're not but, getting your money's worth. But, telling but you flat the, out. Here's the thing, though. If you notice, it has the motorcycle license plate on it. Yeah. So what they did was they just welded a Volkswagen front end onto the Ninja frame and just called it a 2007 Ninja. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> it still has the 2007 Ninja plate, <laughs> and that's that's what it's registered as. Oh my god, Ninja! So, what do you guys well, only, think? Only people in Georgia would come up with something that was ridiculous. Oh yes, and <laughs> to our friends in Georgia, you can send your complaints to Phil at clevelandmoto.com. Um, so, what do you guys think though about mods that are very common? Um, but can be quite expensive, like seats and exhaust systems. Do they add value? No. Uh, paint? <laughs> no, I mean, no? They won't let, it's stickers just, add it's value. Just like, it's not a you know. Yeah, well, you, no. just, you don't know who, who bolted, you know, the exhaust on and whether it's been tuned right or, you know, there's just so many variables with that. And the seat, I mean, come on. You know, yeah. everybody wants their own seat. So. Do you want to know how I'm going to have a stock seat on a bike when I get there, and then I can go from there. Yeah. Do you want to know how to add five horsepower to a bike? Skip the breakfast burrito. Join the burritos on it. <laughs> Give it the beans, Five horsepower. You want to know how to add 10 horsepower? Stick one of those on the bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Guaranteed 10 horsepower. No, there's nothing that adds monetary value to a bike. No, and you know really a perfect isn't. example of that the um the, my KTM Super Duke that I had, 
Um, that was the Parts Unlimited model bike. It had every thing that they carry on there. Very nice, expensive parts. It it you know made the listing look good, and as she said, desirability. If there were two identical bikes for the same price, they're more likely to go for the one with all the Farkles. But it did not increase the value of it, even though it had right. thousands and thousands of dollars of, of carbon well, fiber and stuff on it. It's always better to take that stuff off, sell it separately, sell the bike bone stock. Right. Yeah, that's what Absolutely. they want. Right down to the paint. So other than luggage, can anyone think of any mods or aftermarket kits that actually increase the value besides that buggy kit? <laughs> well, maybe, uh, I was thinking maybe heated, heated grips. You know, if you've got a bike... Like the KLR that has desirable, not uh, not money. The KLR doohickey. Uh yeah, on the first gens, I think. Yeah, that's a thing now, though. Everybody's done it. Yeah, but the you get a bike that has it, and but I have a bike that doesn't have it. I'm gonna pay more for the bike that does have it. Yeah, I but I could say my my Africa twin had a recall on the tank, and I I had that done. So did I increase the value? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's I, I would be more for that bike than one that hadn't had that done. Well, truthfully, yeah. if if um, if NHTSA were doing their job, and there's no reason why they shouldn't, you wouldn't have been able to sell your bike without that modification being yeah, done later. What about um, like any electronic systems, like GPS or stereo? <laughs> Because it's not necessarily the component. I've seen the most gorgeous components, and the wiring is just a rat's nest. Yep. And the KLR is a great example. Um, that bike had a couple of very nice ram mounts on the handlebars, which the previous owner wanted to take back. And the ram mounts themselves were very, very nice. But, dear God, the wiring was a rat's nest. And it just, it, it put me off the whole thing. In fact, it put me off my lunch. It was so ugly. I just, I had to go home and have a little bit of a cry after I'd seen that wiring. It upset I, I, me. I have, I have one thing. Yeah. Uh, how about something like you might have, you might have some perspective on this, Emma, um, uh, extended warranty. Like if you, Ooh, if yourself, that's an interesting mm. one. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I know how you can get those things super cheap. So if a savvy owner had a bike for a year or two, decided he didn't want it anymore, she didn't want it anymore, uh, mm -hmm. if they had that extended warranty on there that they were able to get really cheap, uh, they might be able to leverage that into a little extra dough. Hmm. I think that might be a good conversation for another time because there are extended warranties and extended warranties. The best in the business is Kawasaki. Kawasaki's extended warranties are just amazing. Hmm. I'm not sure about the private ones because, you know, we've all seen the ads on TV. We've all seen the ads on TV. You know, if your car's this and this and this and this, get an extended warranty. Well, what that basically is is a service contract. And that it's in the tiny little fine print. When you sign up for one of those things, you have to take your car into an approved dealer and get it serviced, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's, it's expensive. Um, I had some experience with extended warranties, 
when I was at Monterey Peninsula, some some aftermarket ones. And a couple were very, very good. I mean, the bike was repaired and we just gave them a bill and they cut us a check. Other time, it was like trying to get blood out of a stone. And in fact, a couple of the companies were so bad. Um, the, the customer had come down and say, well, I've got an extended warranty on this. And who's the company? And they'd say, it's by blah. So, well, here's what's going to happen. You're going to pay for the repair first. And then the extended warranty kit people can repay you because they ain't going to pay us. So with the correct, especially a factory one, I think, Gabe, it's going to add value. But it's got to be a factory one. If mm. you get that extended factory, that Kawasaki or Suzuki warranty, that's got to add value to the bike. It's got to add peace of mind, hasn't it? It does. But on the other hand, when I buy a Japanese motorcycle – yeah, they don't need much. I, do I feel like it doesn't need a warranty. Like when have you like I don't even know anybody who's ever like made a warranty claim on a Japanese motorcycle. Honestly, I mean, I'm I'm sure it happens a lot, but personal experience, I don't have any of that. Yeah, it's, that is a good point. Emma, I have uh, an email that I sent you. We yes, have you a listener who actually emailed us um and with the the title uh, should I have put that on? So right. he's done some mods <laughs> to his bike that he's got some questions about. Put it on. Put it on. <laughs> so so it on. while she's reading, so, I'll share with you. No, the no. Bike. Well, well, what? I was Go ahead. What's that? I was going to share Lift a picture of the bike up. as you read it. Up, 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 up. Yeah, I know. Up, read up. it. Oh, there it is. Look Ooh. at that. Ooh, Ooh. cool. Oh, That's I like the backdrop. Oh, I want to eat mushrooms and ride that bike. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, this email is from Trevor, and it is entitled, Should I Have Put That On? Which is funny <laughs> enough what I say to myself every morning oh, when no. I rifle through my clothes closet. Yes. <laughs> Should I have put that on? I am a new rider living in southern Arizona. I bought a 2021 Honda Monkey, 125 monkey. about five months ago. Cheeky monkey. <laughs> and I have about 1,200 miles on it right now. Nice. When I bought it, I did all the things that people do when they buy a bike. Uh, when I buy a bike of that sort, mm -hmm. took off a bunch of plastic bits, put on a new intake, a new exhaust that sounds sweet, but your neighbors like it too, dear. <laughs> and an ECU flash. Oh. oh, my. With the modifications, I've been able to get an extra five to 10 miles an hour, depending okay. on which way the wind blows. Ha ha. <laughs> which puts me more at the speed of local traffic. I love seeing people's faces when they hear that Yoshi exhaust coming around the <laughs> corner. They see a big fat guy on a little bike. <laughs> I've had a blast exploring all the back roads around my house. I stopped short of putting in new cams that seems to be very popular, but I didn't want to mess with the reliability of the little Honda engine. This goes with my question. Have what, what I've done gone too far? <laughs> Never. Now, put some nitrous he on goes on <laughs> about another podcast, and he, he, he brings up a very, very valid point. Because remember... 
in my career, in my 43-year career, I've worked for privateers and I've worked for the manufacturers as well. And what he says, and I'm going to precede the second half, and he talks about a, a guest they have on a podcast that worked for Honda Canada. And the amount of research and development, somebody, I'm going to make an exhaust system for a bike. The amount of research and development time and money they spend on that compared to the amount of time and money that on research and development, say, the manufacturer puts in to their aftermarket stuff. And it's night and day. I mean, basically, I could go down to my local tube bender and I could get 100 tubes bent, put a loud megaphone muffler on the end of it, call it the Emma Special, and sell them as a performance exhaust. I'd buy that. With, I know you would, because it'd have my angry face on it. And be like, <laughs> excellent. Give it the beans. <laughs> That'd be, it'd be one of those. But the point is, if Honda come out with an exhaust system it's been on the dyno it's been through noise tests it's been through harshness and vibration tests they spent thousands on it so and i can i can vouch for that but they Having answer to a higher on, power emma exactly they do they answer to the spirit of soshiro honda himself who's looking down on us all and scowling um, you know but the answer is, he's asking the wrong people, has he gone too far? It's your bike. It's yeah. your bike. And you can do with it what the hell you want. And, if you're and asking me if you've added value to it, the answer is a resounding no. You haven't added a penny to the value of that bike. Right, But if it's, it works for you... Then it's it's great, yeah. wonderful. Now look, can I? Can I? Can I, I, I want to. I want to testify. That, I just testify. for our listeners, that thud was his cat being tossed aside. Digging <laughs> 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 his claws into my thighs. Very painful. Oh, no. Can I? Can I testify to what to what Miss Emma just yeah. said? Well, look, so you, you so that's that's my motorcycle behind me, and uh, bonus points if you can guess what it is. Um, well, yeah. Oh, it's an FZ07, isn't it? Aye. Right, but I improved it by tearing all the bodywork off and throwing it all in, the, in a dumpster because that's where oh! FZ07 bodywork belongs. Oh, no. <laughs> it's directly to Emma. But uh, because I think the FZ07 is the ugliest motorcycle made in the last 50 years. <laughs> Yet you bought it. <laughs> I bought it. I bought it because the because the motor is kick ass and the mm -hmm. bike weighs 400 pounds stock and now my bike weighs 370 pounds and makes 70 horsepower and is kick ass <laughs> and that's now his child being thrown aside oh, do, you, <laughs> well, anyway, do you have a child can I we meet not. your child oh yeah isaac come here isaac come here oh he's gonna love this Okay. Let's see. Emma from, uh, hey! Oh, it's this Isaac. There we go. Hello, darling. Hello. Oh my gosh, I'm actually being streamed 
<laughs> you're being you oh, are yeah. live. You are, you are on a live show, young man, and you have an audience of five thousand people. So, is there anything you would like to say? And that's a no. <laughs> no, he's passed out with the excitement. Fantastic. Overwhelmed. Okay. Uh, put, put, put <laughs> I I put an R6 front end on on that. Tore off the body okay. And that bike is worth like I've put a thousand dollars into it, right? Subtracting the <clears throat> money I got back from selling the stuff I didn't want. And that bike is worth probably two or three thousand dollars less than a bone stock 2016 FC07, right. right? But that bike Maybe. is so much better However, than right. seven on every level. And yet, if I went to sell that bike right now. I would maybe get thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah, and it would take a while. That you take payments or what? How you try to sell it? <laughs> I'm not going to sell it. I have to keep. He I loves it. He made it for him. Don't sell it. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna right. turbo it. Just so you know, if if, if Naked Jim was here, he'd totally be on your side because he took a you know a sawzall to his uh, his two fifty oh. rally and took bits off that he hated. It's like oh. on what kind yeah. of bike? <clears throat> his Honda two fifty rally. Oh yeah, well yeah. Stock motorcycles are usually pretty hideous. So they're Italian, they're all ugly. All yeah, right. Well, Gabe, you are very proud of your modified FCO7. In fact, I, I believe you started a a Facebook group are you? for other yeah. people like you. How many? Is there two or three of you now? There's 116 members in the group. Wow. Good lord. Yep. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go to Facebook and check, look for, uh, do a search for uh, modern motorcycle customizers of uh, FZ MT XSR, and, and it'll it'll show up there. And 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 my group is for people who are interested in like not just bolting on a pipe or a <clears throat> pair of fifteen dollar bar end mirrors they bought on Amazon, but like actually like tearing their bike apart and like fixing everything that's wrong with it. So basically you've created a group on Facebook of people to enable you to do things like put a turbo on your bike. Yeah. And now it's a tax <laughs> <Yeah>. deduction. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, is everyone taking notes? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start a church too. So, well, yeah, I, you but you did bring up something and I think the, you know, we've talked about Emma suspension is so important is putting yes. on better suspension does that increase no. the value of the bike it, it it increases the rideability but i think 80 percent of riders could give a shit about suspension right like really i mean they have like a kind of a idea in their head like hey like this suspension should be better everyone tells me it should be better but most people they ride they're smart people and they ride within their limits and they ride within the within right. the legal limits and they don't do track days and they don't need suspension upgrades. They don't want to go 80 miles an hour down a, a pothole, uh, you know, single lane road going through West Marin that's barely paved. Do you tell like, me where those need, are? They're, oh, yeah. They're, I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, why and, do you, you know, I, I would add that the majority of people have never ridden a truly well suspended bike because if you get on a bike, that has really had the suspension set up and not just set up, but set up for you. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful thing. It's an absolute joy. 
it's, to it's ride it properly suspended bike. Well, it's worth every that's, penny. That's worth 50 horsepower. Gabe, right I got some good news for you. And okay. actually, for everyone else listening who's in the uh, Northern Carol- California area, but in two weeks on the 18th, we're going to have uh, J.P. Hans down here doing another suspension setup day. 40 bucks, he'll do the setup on your bike. And he's also going to be um, actually taking more time to explain suspension, how it works, and and taking some shocks apart and stuff, and and uh, kind of educating us. So on the 18th, come on down to the Recycle Garage for suspension setup. It that's and a good investment. What, what, I wanted to clarify yeah. something. Um, what kind of bikes would be best suited for this type of adjustment? Now, when you say All do bikes. the suspension, when you say do the suspension. Um, ah, I can a lot tell more, you. A lot more of the modern bikes have a lot more adjustability than older bikes. I just don't want people to get fooled into thinking that they can bring down their seventy something and get it. No, it's <laughs> no, it's it's restricted. It's actually restricted to two kinds of bikes, and it's the same two kinds of bikes that Emma will be working on in her shop. That's right, specialist yes. only. So only yes. the domestic and the import bikes can be done. Only, <laughs> only import and domestic. Those are the only That's two. That's it. Not interplanetary. No, you know. Okay. <laughs> nothing nothing from another planet then yeah, is what okay, you're saying. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. No inter- moon bikes. You saved a lot of people a lot of trips, so um <laughs> and I want to point out to people that just in case you can't make it on a Sunday, um Jason is going to be doing fairly regular um we're gonna be doing workshops down at Mototown. So Jason's gonna be hauling his trailer down to Mototown. We're gonna have a suspension day down there as well, which obviously will be during the week. So if you can't make it on a weekend and you feel that you're missing out, stay tuned because we're gonna be doing a lot of cross pollination with JP suspension with Mototown. Get you set up and um when Laguna Saker opens back up again take it for a lap of Laguna and test your progress. So, um, yeah, it, it, I can't stress it enough. Having decent suspension is wonderful. Everything. So it's now it's everything. it is all the things. Don't, don't come to me with a sport bike and say, I need 10 more. I need this pipe. I need this. The, I need carbon fiber wheels. No, you don't. You need suspension. If you have $2,000 yeah. to spend on a, on a sport bike, you need suspension. Don't mess with the exhaust. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious on the, on the, uh, FCO, your FCO seven, why you put the R six front end. Was that suspension or cause you like the gold? Well, the gold looks kick-ass. Right? Mm-hmm, it does. Right. And, uh, uh, you, you can also get the R six suspension also comes in, in a, in a matte gray, but, uh, I like the gold, but, the reason I got the R6 is because um, the steering stem is a perfect match for the FZ07 mm-hmm. headstock. And um, also that R6, it's a pretty, it, like it's the, the components are pretty cheap on, on eBay. Right. And that's really high end stuff. When, you know, when you're a super bike race team, um, right. you know, there's only so much stuff that you can throw out and replace with expensive things. So that's uh, Showa, I believe. And it has separate high-speed and low-speed damping circuits. Um, There's a pretty good range of adjustment. And it's really, really high-end suspension, plus the brakes. So, you know, you get a lot of benefits. And and that stock FZ7 stuff is, and I'm sorry, you're going to get hate 
hate mail for this, please send your complaints directly to Emma or Liza. But <laughs> the, the stock suspension stuff that comes with the FC7 and the MT-07, I'm sorry, is garbage. It's the cheapest but- crap. Yamaha could put on a motorcycle. That's, that's because that's an affordable bike. The price right. point on that bike was a huge uh, draw, but they well, had to cut. They had to cut it, it somewhere. Right, but what well, bike doesn't come you, with garbage suspension? It the MCO the MT07 FC07. Not only are the suspension components crude, because crude is one thing. Like low tech crude damper rod stuff is is one thing. But also, this stuff is very like low quality materials. Those fork tubes, they bend at the drop of a hat. And, yeah. um, and yeah, it's, it's out, and you feel it. the lowest bidder. Feel it on the, roast, on the racetrack. I, I put in, um, I had emulators on, mm-hmm. on the FC07 forks. And the emulators didn't work as well as they would, would on a 20 year old SV650 because right. the forks were just like, they're just flimsy and you could feel it. Yeah, there's a lot of flex in those forks. They fold up quite well in an accident as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you you nailed it. I mean, the difference between an uh, an FC07 and an R6 front, it's it's a completely different setup. The R6 actually got cartridge forks. The R6, I mean, it's it's only ever been from day one going back to the Thunderbox or whatever it was called back in the day. It's a race bike with lights on. And so it's carried itself like a race bike with lights on. So it's 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 always been an overachiever. It's a punchy overachiever. Um, good choice. But, it's perfect. They, you can't go wrong. But you also with the sport bike component, like the difference between a standard motorcycles componentry and a sport bike motorcycles componentry is that the sport bike it really has to win races. Mm-hmm. The standard it just has to be good enough to ride on the street right. and look good in the showroom. But the that front end on that R6, like someone like Jake Zemke, <laughs> we're talking yeah. about him today, he can he can jump on an R6 on a stock 07, 08 R6, and he can lap Laguna Seca, he can lap Circuit of the Americas, pretty close to the same lap times that someone on a setup race bike is going to be riding. On. In fact, he's almost as fast around the racetrack as Jake Gillenhall. <laughs> Oh my god, or is this? Um, so but that's not your only project bike, so that's a a modern bike. You also have this little gem in your garage, uh, so let's share that project. Um, Mm -hmm. Douglas, see if you can guess what the bike is, or John, or Bagel. Yep, see if you can guess what the bike is. Uh, yeah, now that it's painted, this is when it's. Not not painted yet. Um, well, I was going to bring it up earlier, and then I couldn't get a yeah. voice in. I was, I was actually going to ask you what that was. Um, I can't see it very well right now because I see Liza's face. <laughs> Gabe, you have to you have to talk. Actually, okay, all right. Well, what should I describe it so people can guess? It's a yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. single it's an air cooled single cylinder, uh, Japanese um, off dual sport motorcycle. Okay, that, now scoot over. <laughs> <laughs> And I think entered production as early as like 1986. The current version has been in production since 1998, I think. Um, uh, 650 single, uh, four valve, air cooled, oil cooler. It's a DR650. Um, yeah. It's the DR650. That's right. That's go. what I thought it was earlier. But the, mm-hmm. the, the the gas tank looked different in the seat, but uh, yeah, that, well, the, the motor screamed DR650 to me. Emma 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 saw the picture and she guessed the. The origin of that gas tank in about 15 seconds. 
Yeah, that looks like that, I mean, You oh, wait, hold on. You gave her more clues than I had for the record, no, and I got it in two guesses. <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, it's you're dealing with a pool of maybe five gas tanks. I mean, the mm-hmm. Japanese manufacturers do not put aluminium gas tanks on everything, darling. Nope. And it I just screams TT five hundred. Well, but, you know that bike screams dirt bag. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. dirt bag. That'd be perfect for that. It, well, guess what, ever- John? <laughs> what? That is a dirt have, bag have bike. Ever- yeah, nice. it is. It is. I wasn't able to get it in in time because it it started leaking horribly, and now it won't run at all. Oh, oh no! Ooh. I know. Mm. A- Emma, do we know about the dirt bag on on mo- motorcycles and misfits? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We've yeah, been going for years. There. We made quite okay. an impact one year. What's that? Have you ever entered a, a an entry? In um, a- no, you know, and it's 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 funny. I've always kind of had dirt bag in the corner of my mind, but it just it seems like my bikes always. I think I'm. This is going to be perfect for a dirt bag, and then I go in a completely other direction. Um, me and the closest I ever got was me and Mikey three times. Um, we're going to build a backwards bike that actually steered at the back. And what? Yeah. yeah and we still might build room. it. So we were <laughs> going to kind of build a backwards bike oh, for the dirt bag. But that's years in the future. That's wow. not going to happen anytime in the immediate future. Um, but. <clears throat> Um, I think the last dirt bike we were at, Liza, um, we brought the barbecue, and I think yeah. we should do that again. We sold hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, you buy a misfit hot dog and boy. So tell us about this project. So was this another oh. perfectly decent bike that you just decided to chop up? No. Okay, no, this, good. This was a bike. This, this, oh, I wish I had it. So my friend Alan Lapp is a uh, fabricator, welder, uh, art director, graphic designer. He's a one. He's an amazing kind of self-taught fabricator, and he built the most incredible entry in 2015 using this DR650 motor. The DR650 itself uh, was the um, used to be owned by a, a kind of a local motorcycle celebrity, Wade Boyd, who's run 11 uh, Isle of Man TT races. Mm-hmm. His girlfriend rode the bike into a stream. And then sold it to Al, and then for some reason the uh, the main bearing seized, so <laughs> he took it apart, and then it sat for a while, and then uh, and then he needed a motor for the dirt bag challenge to build. He built this crazy chassis out of tubing with an alternative front end. Yeah, it's crazy. This is one with that girder chassis. front end. It has like a girder. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. <clears throat> it's crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And uh, he had that just sitting in his garage. And then I'm like, hey, you should build a, like a cafe racer with that motor. And he's like, no, you should build a cafe racer with that motor. And <laughs> I, got his, I got the frame and I, and I painted it. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, you know, what kind of tank do I want? And, it was, and I got to say the planning was the most fun part of this project. Like, what kind of wheels do I want? What kind of frame do I want? What kind of tank do I want? And, and resources like Craigslist and eBay and Amazon, they make, this stuff so easy like oh, whatever part you God need it's darn right. is it amazing right it's amazing it's right fantastic yeah 
Yeah. Right. And anyone else chime in about the amazingness of, of these online resources? Like oh, yeah. 30 years ago, how, where would you like you would take? Oh, we had to go ago? dig through yards of, yeah. well, uh, from, yeah. from junkyards. And it's just, we, we've replaced our time yeah. with, mm-hmm. instead of trolling on eBay, back in the 1970s, me and friends would go to wrecking yards. Yeah. And they'd just be acres of destroyed bikes. And yeah. back then, I mean, it was the Wild West because you'd be walking down bikes and that one would have blood all over it. Yeah. And that one would have teeth stuck <laughs> in the triple tree. Oh, but that's where, you, that's where you got your parts. Yeah. You went down to the wrecking yard with all of your wrenches in your back pocket and then you gathered up all your parts and then you went up to the very frightening-looking, tattooed, hairy man at the counter who barked to you and said, give me 20 quid. And you'd yeah. give him 20 quid and then take all your prizes home and none of them would fit. And so <laughs> now we've substituted that with sitting on eBay and just, yeah. oh, look at that. I need that. See, Emma, one of my favorite things going through the yards is looking for all the bikes with the Dick Dent gas tanks. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> the gas That's the best. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this, this tank didn't have a dick dent, but it had two dents, one dent on either side. <laughs> Apex, oh, Apex Racing, Apex Motorsports. Anyone know no. who they are? Ever heard of them? Mm-mm. It's a shop in Colorado, and they they had a guy racing a TT500 for them in the early mm. 80s, I guess. And their the tank wound up on eBay, and I, I got it and stripped it down and polished it up. The TT500 is such a great tank for, for custom projects because it's beautiful. Like you don't oh, see stuff gorgeous like, tank. You don't see stuff like that coming from the Japanese companies anymore, right? Like there was mm. like some Japanese, I'm sure some ancient Japanese artisan, like ha- ting ting ting. All he did was like hammer out these little <laughs> aluminum tanks like all day long. And and it's it's and the whole gas tank, you know, it weighs like a pound and a half. It's really cool. So other than the gas so I, tank, like I have to have that. Is that a stock seat and subframe, or is that uh that so that seat is from some, from some, uh, it's some Chinese some, random oh, okay. Alibaba thing. It was it was twenty nine dollars. Nice. I shipped it from, like, and ship shipped from Arkansas for free. Um, nice, right? Like that's eBay, right? And then that's see, it's that's, like, no, that's bang good. And it doesn't feel like. <laughs> oh, by the way, I sat on on Liza's um, KTM ten. Oh yeah, the SMT. SMT. Yeah, the nine ninety oh, SMT. God, that seat. Oh. That seat gave my ass the experience that I would have to go to Bangkok and pay $50 just to have that. Oh, that was so fantastic. Oh, that seat is going to love you a long time, Johnny. If we're we're complimenting other people's bikes, I have to say, uh, went to Emma's this week and she started up her new Triumph uh, Trident project bike it's beautiful but the thing that impressed me the most was the tone the note of the exhaust and i was Mm. telling uh douglas today it's like living in a world where all we hear are karaoke singers and then suddenly you hear an opera singer and you're like oh my god that's the most beautiful sound i've ever heard and that John, do you know what I'm talking about did you hear that bike it is a yeah i got to hear it beautifully tuned note i mean I've never heard like a that. Story. Huh? 
Sorry, John. Well, I've never heard anything like that. It's it's uh, you know, and I've been on and I've ridden other uh, other tridents, you know, over the years. But there's something about the way that's tuned in, the sound and the and the uh, the exhaust that really makes that unique. So. Well, you know, I set that bike up just so, but that noise, it doesn't even sound like a bike. It actually sounds back in the 1960s. Um, Jaguar made this fantastic car, which was basically a giant dick called an XKE. <laughs> and it was basically, you could be the ugliest man in the world. And if you bought an XKE, you were a player. You'd yeah, have all, yeah. all the girls in the world. It was that kind of car. And it had a very distinctive noise. And the Trident sounds just like an XKE. But that's only half the story. If we go back to the Second World War, we had this magnificent plane called the Spitfire, which everyone's pretty much heard of. And the XKE, the noise was modeled on the noise of a Spitfire. So you could argue that mm. a, my Trident sounds like an XKE, which sounds like a Spitfire. So basically, my Trident sounds like a Second World War fighter plane. So score yeah. for Emma. That's so, pretty accurate right there. So what you're saying is that an XKE is half of a Spitfire and then a Trident is, is half an, of an XKE. <laughs> or is an eighth of an XKE. Quarter of an XKE. If you had four if you had four tridents together, it would sound that would like, sound like a Spitfire. You're right. Um, <laughs> it, it, you guys have you seen that video where Guy Martin pulls out his his I think it's a Spitfire engine, it's mounted on just a frame and he rolls it out in a field, just starts it up and stands behind it. Right. <laughs> it it sounds right. like that. Yes, it's beautiful. But, you know, I've, I've waxed <laughs> lyrical about this in the past. And what makes the Trident unique? It's three-cylinder. Now, there are plenty of three-cylinder bikes out there, including your 750 Yamaha, mm -hmm. which your Yamaha is no, sh no slouch in the noise department, Liza. But it's an overhead cam engine. An overhead cam engine sound very different to pushrod engines. Hmm. We can test our theory. You think how, say, a Lexus or a Mustang sounds, which is an overhead cam engine, compared hmm. to a big old hulking muscle car, which is a pushrod engine. Yeah. Pushrod engines sound meaty. And a three-cylinder pushrod engine is completely unique in motorcycling, and so you get a unique noise. But you know the 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 whole that Trident's the the full package: the noise, the color, the restoration, the details. I spent a great deal of time on that bike. It's the best bike I've ever built, and not is by a, a small amount either. Is is it a is it a Hinkley Triumph or? Oh no, it's way before that, darling. This yeah, is a Triumph a real, Triumph. This is from real. 1972. This this was built in in Coventry. Mm -hmm. real this thing. was actually built at Meriden. Yeah, um, yes. it's it's the real deal. Um, mm -hmm. So um, a very different world when that rolled off the production line. It's an absolutely it's it's a, I'm I'm flabbergasted by it. Would you would you ride just it to as LA? a bike? W would you ride it to LA right now? Oh yeah, I'd yeah. ride it around the world right now. Bagel, what you got? Well, I, I just I just wanted to interject that that I have ridden in a group of four Heinkels before. 
And it does sound like a vintage bomber. (laughs) 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 Wait, is is a Heinkel, is that a half of a, what, say an EKS, or a quarter of an EKS, which is a half of a, I don't know, I'm I'm lost on the math here. Yeah, no, it's just a single cylinder. (laughs) You need a lot of of them. (laughs) But but four of them is enough to to make it sound similar. (laughs) Bagel, do you you know this bike? Do you know this bike? I have I have a copy of that and several other different editions of it. Yes, <laughs> I see by my outfit by Peter S. Beagle. Oh, Peter S. Bagel, Beagle. <laughs> no relation. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that was such an inspirational book when I was a teenager. I can't even tell you. Nice. Nice. Well, um, I think we've we've covered a lot of things there. There's uh, another topic I wanted to get to, but first, I've got news. Exciting news. Really? Uh, yeah, everyone who came to the garage today knows what the news is, but John, you didn't come by, so I know I you know. didn't get it. I thought the KLR was a good news because I've got <laughs> neck gaiters. Oh. What? what? Oh yes, neck gaiters. Oh, and look what I slid into the bottom an evil cool. Knievel. There you, you go. Knievel. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, good news these are going out to all of my misfits get one but all of our patreon supporters five dollars or more are getting one i've been sending out messages to everyone to let them know and reminding everyone to please update your email or your your mailing address because i'm going to be sending these out to our supporters Uh, and it's not too late if you want to get in on patreon and support us for five dollars or more just go to patreon.com and look for motorcycles and misfits and yeah, they're cool. It's got and Bosley on there. Unexpected bonus. So if you are riding your motorcycle and you decide you want to call into the corner store and buy yourself a cup of coffee or a packet of condoms, and um, I've forgotten my mask, and you're wearing your mm-hmm. Misfits neck gaiter, just pull it up over your there face. You I guarantee you will be the most stylish person in there. <laughs> Wait, Liza, this is this is making my neck ache. Oh, stop it! <laughs> Jim already said it gave him a rash. Um, <laughs> Gosh, at first. <laughs> oh, and the other big news is uh, tickets have uh, gone on sale for the Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival. Right. Yes, you can go to RevSisters.com, and uh, just like before, um, the first three days of viewing tickets are free you still have to register so you still have to buy a ticket for free and we have an extended viewing pass for the full 10-day festival if you need more time to see we've got like nine hours of films i just finished uh the film selection the curating it we've got some really cool stuff a little Ah. bit of everything as usual so go to revsisters.com and get your pass to the Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival. And just to let everyone know, it is online. It's hosted on YouTube. So you can see this globally. Um, so we had um, a... Can uh, I add? Oh, a, yes. I mean, I know that another couple of misfits in the house tonight have acted as judges, and I'm sure I speak for them because I've judged the films in mm-hmm. this festival in the past. And I'm just flabbergasted of the standard of filmmaking. There is nothing amateurish about these films. These the incredibly high standard, genuinely touching stories. Um, I enjoyed every single film. I think I've seen every film that has been shown at 
every motor film festival and every single one is a gem in its own way well and that's why we do these film festivals there's so many films being made by people um uh but finding them, they're in all these different sources or behind different paywalls. So we put them all together and curate a nice show. So, yeah, go to Rev Sisters. That's R-E-V sisters.com and get your tickets. Um, so we had a, an email come in, and this has had me thinking all week. And I love this one. And this is from our friend Andy. And is it Droitwich Spa? Emma, did yeah, I say that Droitwich. right? Droitwich yeah, Spa. Spa. And he says, as a long-standing listener, I just wanted to say how much I appreciate your podcast, especially during these dark times of lockdown. Listening to you all brightens my day. Keep up the good work. Here in the UK, we're starting to ease back out of restrictions, and hopefully I can get back out on the road and ride further than the end of the road for groceries. They've been really restricted. Um, we had mentioned on our last show, we talked about the 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 algebraic formula for the right amount of bikes. You guys remember this? Gabe, yeah, I'm sure you know this one, right? Plus one. It's N, N plus one. one. Yeah. Right? And he said that he actually has a more realistic formula. Um, and that is D minus one. Ooh. Hmm. D is, stands for divorce. <laughs> right. So the proper so amount of bikes you can have is one less than what will cause a divorce. So I like the fact that it's a sliding scale. Yeah, right. So if 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 he butters up the missus, quite literally, I suppose, but what he could do <laughs> is buy her gifts. Um, he could take a bucket load of Viagra the night before. He could take her on holiday. And the scale is moved. So now he can he can slide in that extra KLR six fifty. So I like the fact that it's a sliding scale. I feel that in in the real world, it's a victory for common sense. Well, and I was talking with um, our friend Matt today at the garage, and he rides – he doesn't even have a car. He rides a GS1200. It's the only vehicle he has, which is pretty darn suitable for many – uh, different rides, but not always because he said, yeah, I've never been out to riding dirt at Hollister with you guys. All right. Cause he doesn't have, you know, a bike that would be good for that. So I was trying to think what would be the right formula for somebody, you know, like Matt, where you want to be able to have a bike to be able to ride with all of your different friends. Right. And what I came up with was T plus S plus D equals happy face. And that is a uh, touring, like a touring capable, which his GS is a touring capable. It could be a Goldwing, it could be a Harley, it could be a GS, but something it could do good distance plus S. S could be sport, it could be supermoto, it could be scooter, something that's a little light and nimble. And then D is dirt. That's something that could be a dirt bike or a modified monkey or whatever, you know, that you can go ride trails, a KLR. And I think T plus S cubed plus D. <laughs> What's S cubed? Well, sport, supermoto, oh. and scooter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all of them. You need all of them. Do you and I'm just wondering, I don't know. Do you guys have any other formulas you can think of for the right amount of bikes? Uh, well, D minus one is infinity as long as you marry the right person. Right? <laughs> <You're right. laughs> 
<laughs> just, I mean, the, the formula is available space divided by the amount of space. That <laughs> yeah, you right. And how deep your wallet is. Yeah. I, I, I can only have one motorcycle at a time now. This is horrible. Ooh, that yeah. is rough. Yeah. yeah. How do you live with yourself? It is literal hell. <laughs> I know. I, man, you poor man. I know. I was yeah. saying, well, I've gotten it down but, to eight. Like, I think if I really I had to, like, if I had to, mm-hmm. if it really came down, I could probably get down to seven. Right. Yeah. Do you yeah, really want to? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but should, I, we, should we change the formula to D minus one? I like that. <laughs> Well, I, I think the minus one is is perfect. I I like the I believe. Or how about one. oh, if you're about, married, yeah. yeah. How about D and then however many as you want. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, it, it's been a long time since I've had more than a few running motorcycles, but like if you had ten running motorcycles, mm-hmm. how many would get ninety percent of the usage? Right. Well, and, and you have to think. I'm going to say three or two. Yeah, any yeah. Them, uh, them, no. them. I've I've ridden when, when I yeah. look at, when I look at my collection. Oh, I Emma, mean, everything that I have runs Emma and runs quite well. Emma. Yes. Uh, can you turn off your yes. video? Your your yes. internet is You're very um, yeah choppy right now. Yeah, I think I've lost my I've lost my Wi-Fi. So hang on. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. Stop the video. <laughs> yeah, there just try doing that. Um. No. Nope, when didn't I work. think about <laughs> oh god, hold there on. You there go. you go. There you go. Um, when I think about my bikes that all run fairly well, mm-hmm. I do have favorites. I mean, I still. I love riding the Guzzi, but if I'm going anywhere, I still go back to that RF 900. That's my go-to bike, and I think always will be. And it it's 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 it doesn't make any sense. It's completely stock. It's the one bike I haven't done any restoration work on. It's just as it left the factory. But that's my to-go bike. So the RF 900 gets 90% of the use and. Everything else gets ten percent. Huh. Uh, I mean, John, when was the last time you rode your BMW? <laughs> I sold it. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, oh. I, I remember, I had two, so I sold oh, both of them actually. You did? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you're wait, you're just down so there. It's been two, a while since I've ridden it. <laughs> so two bikes. How many bikes do you have now? Uh two and my sons. Who? So yeah, I claim but, that too. So that's three. Okay. Wait, you have two KLRs. Well, see, yeah. <laughs> see? <laughs> see? There's something there. <laughs> there is something there. Well, um, you know, I, I want to ask if anyone else has a good formula they want to share with us. I love it. I've been thinking all week about kind of formulas. I started going like way into the rabbit hole of like, if you take the square space of your garage and divide it by you know your last grocery bill and then how many children you have times, I was like just going way too deep on it. You can go but, down a rabbit hole. But but what, Liza, what formula do you need other than N plus one? Uh, uh, yeah, go back to basics. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I've got another uh, email here. And this one is from Garrett. And he says, hey, Misfits, I just wanted to thank you again for the stunt cycle you sent out for my short Knievel poem. My son nice. and I have many years of playing with it to look forward to. Sidebar, did you guys see the new stunt cycle they announced at California yes. Creations? No. The all black, right? black? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. Already <laughs> ordered mine. Just saying. Yep. <laughs> um, he says, I'm having trouble with one of my bikes that I'd love to hear your feedback on. My wife has a 2006 Suzuki GS500F, the same that Micah had that Doug has, um, that is stinking up our garage with a small gas leak. I've been able to backtrack the leaking gas from the airbox overflow tube through the airbox to the cylinder head breather tube, but have no idea what that means or what my next step should be. My usual go-to form hasn't been much help. Do you have any suggestions? P.S., my up the butt bike would be an Aprilia RSV4. Ooh. So, all right. Did you um, did you guys all catch that? So the gas leak is coming from the airbox overflow tube through the airbox to the cylinder head breather tube. Do they say? Uh, so does that sound like a leaky petcock that is overflowing? In the well, carb and going back into the airbox and not the cylinder. Cat P had this problem too, and her neighbor was complaining because they share like a non-separated garage. Mm-hmm. Um, what what bike is she riding? This the, is a GS five hundred F. Yeah, and uh, I believe we traced it back to the petcock, but the leak was yeah. so slow, and her neighbor's nose was so. Uh, fragile or sensitive that mm -hmm. it took us a long time to figure out exactly where it was coming from. I believe we trace it back down to actual, uh, the fuel tubing itself wasn't the proper fuel tubing and it was not the proper mm. clamps. Um, so, I think that's what the actual problem was, but that might be a good place to look. So Emma, isn't it depend if you're parked on a hill that if you have, uh, yes. if it's either going to flow into the cylinder and then your gas disappears Right. Or it's going to flow into the airbox where it's going to evaporate, does, right? Okay. Does um what year is this bike? Does he say? Uh 2006. Okay, so it's Japanese built. So the GS500 it, it's a unique bike for a couple of reasons. The first reason is it's got two petcocks. It's got a petcock underneath the gas tank, which is a simple which enough switch. And then it's got a petcock on the side <laughs> of the frame, which is – so the petcock, they've got two lines that come down from the tank, and then it feeds another petcock, which is bolted on the side of the frame, which is actually a vacuum petcock. Um, and mm. everything's joined with this rat nest of, of fuel. You know, if fuel runs downhill, so he's <clears throat> filling up his airbox um, – one of the petcocks has failed, and it's usually the vacuum one. The diaphragm goes bad mm -hmm. in it. Um, and the vacuum petcock is the one that's on the frame. So it's a bloody nightmare. You've got to get the tank off. You've got to manually switch off the petcock on the bottom of the tank. Then you can pull the lines off. Then you can get to the vacuum petcock on the side. Neither buy a new petcock or just buy vacuum lines for it, and that'll cure your problem. So, yeah, Bob's your uncle, really. Um, and the reason why I was asking for the year is in 2000 and – actually, it might be a Spanish-built one. 
I think in 2004, production was transferred from Japan to Spain. Yeah, I think it's a Spaniard. It's a Spaniard. So he's got he's got the Spanish built carburetors on it, which are a bit <whistles> called blimey. So it's it's <laughs> going to be. Did you say the petcock or? Yeah, no, it'll be the petcock. It'll so, be the petcock. I mean, <clears throat> you know, the carbs are fairly feeble on it, but it really shouldn't matter how feeble the carbs are if the fuel is switching itself off when the engine shuts down, which is what a vacuum petcock does. So it's the petcock. Well, good. Um, bagel, if you can yeah. check your phone, I sent you an email to read because I think – an accent mm. would be necessary here. All right. Hey, Emma, or, uh, Liza, let me just <laughs> yeah. say, what we just saw from Emma is, is uh, fairly amazing that she was able to recall oh, yeah. all those details from those motorcycles. I just, oh, yeah. you, you got to stop sometimes and say, dang, you know, look at the master at work right there. <laughs> so, ah, Mine's like so, a steel trap, John. I'm telling you, it's great. I am amazed every day at her knowledge. I think about especially when I'm walking around picking up all of her coffee cups that she leaves behind. Well, no. <laughs> 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 all right, Bagel, do you got it? Yes, I do. Can you hear all me all right? Yes. Okay. So uh, this email starts <clears throat> from uh, Robert Perrin, by the way. He starts, howdy once again from Tejas. <laughs> Thanks for reading my letter a few weeks ago about a commuter bike. Hey! The, the, 16th tooth front, the 16th tooth bracket of my KLR650 will be good enough to I buy a Tiger 800 or a super used Africa twin door channel. <laughs> I now have KLR250 problems. So my dad helped me and bought some motorcycles for his workers to ride when they went down to Big Bend National Park for a job. We don't have benefits, but we made this one. <laughs> we bought 2001 KLR250 with about 10,000 miles. It was running great, and we didn't look it over much and sent it off. The first or second day, it couldn't go over 35 miles per hour. Mm. Weeks later, our worker told me he got it up to 90 mile an hour downhill about an hour before it stopped working so good. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Buck He's has from Texas no or problem. Minneapolis? He goes Buck back and has, forth. There's no problem <laughs> revving into the high RPMs, but once the power goes to the wheel, it's not getting over 3,000 or so. So so far, I see that cam chain ten, the cam chain tensioner is maxed out, and I accidentally punched out the warm drive and spring trying to extend it more. Uh, I think it's warm drive. Warm drive, yeah. Yeah, warm and drive. spring trying to extend it more. Thinking about it, thinking about just ordering a, a Krieger tensioner. I think I need to open it up and look at the camshafts <laughs> because those seem to burn up a lot on these. What else should be on my checklist to look for before I dive in? <laughs> Could this be a head gasket problem? And a compression <laughs> test is in my future. Thank you very much, Misfits. Fat Rob. <laughs> Rob. Um, what is, so what is that exactly? He can't get the bike up past uh, 30 mile, 35 miles an hour, but weeks ago it was going 90 downhill. Well, it's it, a it, big first... downhill. <laughs> yeah, very steep right. hill. 
Right. Well, they said first or second day it couldn't go over 35. <laughs> so then weeks later, the worker said he got it up to 90 downhill before it stopped working so good. Yes. <laughs> so I That's think he, he, he was sold. He was sold the KLR 90 by mistake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, God, there's so many things it can be. Um, head gasket's easy to trace. I mean, if it's... If there's water in the oil or oil in the water and the um, <clears throat> coolant system's being pressurized or the crankcase is being pressurized or it's blowing coolant out of the exhaust pipe, yeah, your head gasket's gone. Um, but, God, there's so many things that can give low power. So compression um, test, yeah. do you think that's first? Compression test, um, leak down test. Leak down test is a very important one because a leak down test will tell you whether it's your intake valves, your exhaust uh, valves, <clears throat> or your rings that are giving a low compression. So do a compression test. Remember, when you do a compression test on any bike, you've got to hold the throttle wide open. Um, if you're feeling really brave, stick your finger in the carb venturi and push the slide up as well. So you introduce as much air into that engine as possible. Isn't to get that the accurate. what's the official term of that move? Fingering. Isn't that diddling? diddling. I thought it was diddling. <laughs> diddling. Yeah. Diddle that's, the carb. That's a diddling finger. Um, <laughs> so you've got to introduce and take your compression chest. You should see at least 150 psi, at least. Um, mm -hmm. I think he's going to have low compression, but yeah. it could just be as simple as a carburetor problem. He could have a split diaphragm in the car. Mm. And if you've got a split diaphragm, when you give it the beans, the carburetor slide's not going up a ball ball. Oh, right. You're not good. Um, so there's a variety of things, simple things first complicated things later bagel put a plug in it oh. what, what about oh, sorry cam, what about the cam chain tensioner we said it was oh <laughs> i shouldn't worry about that i <laughs> shouldn't worry about that <laughs> i mean you know it's you can replace it but i wouldn't replace it before it starts sounding like a dog's dinner <laughs> if it's still quiet <laughs> just put it back together and run yeah. it what does that even mean <laughs> You know, when it's when it when it's got a noise, when the engine is making a noise like somebody banging two trash can lids together, then it's time to replace your engine. <laughs> um it's not a hard job on a KLR, but the same rules apply to any bike. Start simple, get complicated. Put a plug in it. That's just cost you two and a half dollars. Oh, the child is back. <laughs> the the child. child. It's the child <laughs> is back. He's mugging for the camera. He's a born actor, clearly. Um, put a plug in it. It's going to cost you two bucks fifty. Clean the air filter if it's cleanable. If it's not, inspect it. Is it dirty? Put a good one in. Check the carburetor. Make sure the main jet isn't plugged. Make sure the diaphragm isn't split. Do the extraneous stuff on it before you start pulling the engine down. There you go. Oh, Gabe, you are still muted. Yes, you were saving us from the right. child. Uh, the uh, 
it sounds to me like the first thing you should do when you buy a used motorcycle is just like do a basic service, right? There you go. I mean, that, that, that would probably eliminate 70, 80% mm. of problems that people report. Yeah. yeah. I'm, th- I'm going with valves. That's my guess. I bet I'm it guessing, him, but I'm also guessing him yeah. is right. <laughs> Well, he did also mention the cams, so yeah. it wouldn't hurt to check those two. Yeah. I'd have floated a valve in that 90 mile an hour downhill. Yeah, yeah, could have. Yeah. Well, I, I hope we gave you some help there. And um, we're, we're getting near to the end. Uh, Gabe, I wanted to thank you for joining us. Not just, oh, my God. Not just today in the garage, but mm-hmm. here on the show. And um, I just wanted to see if you had anything that you wanted to plug um i mean you're a a journalist you're always writing cool articles well if you go to melissa holbrook pearson's web page Ah, tell me about her yeah yes uh the perfect vehicle uh look up uh the perfect vehicle and that is uh, melissa holbrook pearson's web page uh noted author a writer about motorcycles i am in an anthology of her works uh entitled um I can't, I can't remember the name of the book because I'm 51, but um, uh, check it out. Uh, great anthology. Me, Peter Jones, a lot of other great writers are in there. <laughs> and I don't know why I'm plugging it because I already got paid. So um, but it's really it's <laughs> No, really because cool. it's more cool stuff to share. So The Perfect yeah, Vehicle cool is a book by Melissa Holbrook yeah. Pearson. Yeah, oh, she cool. wrote the perfect, motor, the perfect Vehicle, which is a great work about motorcycles that from... 1998 yeah wonderful book that's it loves if you're if you're a moto guzzi fan you got to check it out and who isn't who isn't a moto guzzi fan in theory yeah right Right? cool in in theory or in reality um but you know liza i had so much fun hanging out of your garage yeah i also had so much fun (laughs) on your show and listening to your show it's it's great i'm so happy to be here i appreciate it yeah and thank you very much you uh donated some a bunch of gear which, uh, yes, which we're going to, no, not good crap. St- good stuff. Mm-hmm. Really good stuff. Two, Especially two like new helmets. one yeah. of the helmets is already gone. Oh, good. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. thank you very much. Uh, Micah took it. Uh, Micah is one of our instructors at the garage and she knew someone to be perfect for because it was a small and it went to a woman who has been looking for a, a, a gooder awesome. helmet. Yeah. Yep. HJC small is medium for most people. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for coming to hang out. I'm, I hope you come down again sometime. Maybe you'll oh, bring know. that monstrosity behind you and get Emma yeah. to diddle it and get it to to run better. I want to see well, that thing. Not, it, it, I wouldn't ride that thing to Santa Cruz unless I was in the back of a pickup truck with it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess it's the point where we say thank you, everyone, for supporting us. Thank you, Gabe, for joining us. Um, just a reminder. Get your address updated on the Patreon page so I can send these net gators out. And if you are in the Pacific Northwest, I would plan on being at the One Show, which starts April 31st, May 1st, and May 2nd are the three days. Right, exactly. And um, between now, we've got a couple of shows before we head up there. So um, let's come up with a competition for people because we love giving stuff away. And um, let's come up with a couple of nice little prizes and we'll do some Moto Town stuff and we'll do some motorcycles and mm-hmm. misfit stuff. All we have to do is think of a competition. Um, 
<laughs> for for those of you who don't know, I'm still so pleased with our last thing because Emma went up there. I wasn't able to go, so I I put the word out that if if everyone brought a can of beans and gave it to yes. her at the show, that they would get something special. And, and Emma had to lug around beans. <laughs> I, giant, I have this giant bag of beans. Yes. And what we did was we um, we gave it to one of the food banks for the homeless shelter in Portland. So they awesome. all went to a really, really good home, um, and, which was great. And the year before that, I put out the word that oh, you had to go up to Mike and walk up to him and say, don't look at me when I'm inside of you, and you'd get some free socks. <laughs> and I, I don't think ah, people did. <laughs> <laughs> they would walk and go, I am so, so sorry. They wouldn't look him in the eye, and they would say they, it. They were so awkward. Mike looks like somebody who could kill you. <laughs> yeah, his arms are bigger than his I know. Well, so it was Mike two years ago. It was me last year. I think this year it's all Ooh. about you, Liza. No, 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 no. I think maybe Kiss a Ginger get a prize. Ooh, oh, Kiss a Ginger! Oh. 25 and COVID. Ooh. The best idea. Besides, you get me in trouble. <laughs> I'm thinking we're going to go with Kiss a Ginger. Blow, blow well, a kiss, bring, Just bring some ginger root. <laughs> hey, there you go. You can yeah. all share no, we'll... We'll come up with something. So when we go up to the one show, we'll make sure we got some merch with us and we're going to give it away. We and will give it away. All we have to do is decide what unspeakable act of cruelty you are going to have thinking, to I'm to thinking, get your free stuff. I think I'm going to give Bagel some hot sauce lip gloss. Oh, God, God. yeah. Oh, yeah. Kiss a ginger. <laughs> There you go. 25 cents. <laughs> <laughs> It'll do it for the children. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, Gabe. I'm, yeah, go ahead, Bagel. So I'm going to be vaccinated, but I still don't want to take that. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, Gabe, thanks again. Come down anytime. It's always a delight. I, I will. The, you were helpful. You were helping Charlie. You know a lot about a lot. So we like that kind of. That kind of people, those folks. I sound like I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think everyone, every bike that came here, like, oh, you had one of those. <laughs> oh, like, one of those. Oh, yeah. that was a good Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the thing is, Gabe and myself and you, Liza, are, are really in the same position. When you get to a certain age, you have pretty much owned everything. If you've been dicking around with bikes for any length of time, and when I say any length of time, I mean over 30 years, 35 years, you're going to have owned a lot of bikes. Yeah. And I'm, so we're all kind of in that position. I'm pretty sure Bagel's owned more scooters than all of us have owned bikes. Oh, Bagel owns all the scooters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Every single well, Vespa, Lambretta, Heinkel ever registered in the Northern Hemisphere has been owned by Bagel at no, one stage. No, no. Yes, yes, I, yes. I don't own anything older than 1958. Or 57, actually. But, okay. <laughs> yeah. but there are other bikes I would love to own, but okay. haven't had a chance yet. So every, everything made since the Eisenhower administration has been owned by Bagel. There you More go. More or less, yeah. So, uh, and, and Gabe, here's how it's going to work. We're about to wrap up. And when I point at you, you say your name. It's that easy. Okay, ready? Okay. So <laughs> thank you, everyone. Yeah. 
And uh, just go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. You'll find uh, links to stuff, our photos. You want to see what we look like. And a complaint and, form. And don't forget to send us an email. We need to have uh, Motorcycles and Misfits complaint forms, like auto Yeah, we really do. Our no, I've got to deal with Cleveland Moto. Our our complaints are going to Phil at ClevelandMoto.com, and you can send their complaints to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. That way we can read them on the air and share each other's complaints. It's it's a lot more fun that great way. Idea. Um, but send us your emails, especially if you can think of another formula we have not thought of yet. Send it out to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we might, uh, we might read it. So on that note, thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Eliza. And there you go. I'm a darling! <laughs> Douglas. <Okay. laughs> no particular name, John. <laughs> <laughs> and we are out of here. Cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs>